Inflation, people losing their homes, losing their livelihoods, losing their liberties, losing the America they grew up in. And what are the headlines? Meghan Markle has to sit in the second row at the Queen's funeral because of her race and all of it based on lies. Well, here we are to clear a path of reality. Dan Newman. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to wade through and find facts with which to do a show? One would think all you had to do would be to open up the pages of a newspaper or just flip your television channel over to the likes of CNN or MSNBC. In In many cases, that is the case, but not in every case. It's really tough. And I gotta be honest with you, we spend a lot of time doing research here. And we don't mind doing it. But it just seems like when you do it every day, your hands get dirty and you feel like you've been, oh, I don't know, somewhere nasty. Seriously, it's gotten to be that bad. I spent most of my weekend this weekend doing those exact things. Got a lot of big projects on uh, on the burner here for TNN Live. And by the way, thank you for joining us here. Thanks for starting your week here. We've got a big week for you starting today. Uh, Look forward to tomorrow morning. I'll repeat this several times during the show so everybody gets it. Congressman Mike Johnson will be here right at 9 o'clock Central Time tomorrow morning. And we're going to talk about the, the new thing that came out over the weekend, the commitment to America. And i got to be honest with you. I, uh, I interfaced with Mike during the weekend, and I'm, I've got some problems. Not so much with what they tell us they're putting in this commitment to America. I'm talking about the uh, Republican leadership in the House. And it's it seems to be really good, but nothing is in documented format. There's nothing that I can look at tomorrow morning when I speak with Congressman Johnson here and say, okay, here are 13, 14, 15 points. What about this? What about that? It's not there. I asked him over the weekend, why that was the case. And I'm not going to tell you what his answer was. I'll wait till he gets here tomorrow morning so you can hear it from him. Congressman Mike Johnson from the 4th Congressional District in the U.S. House of Representatives will be here live tomorrow morning right at 9 a.m. We got a lot to talk about with him. And of course, we have many things we need to discuss here on the show today. Also, don't forget Tuesday is our day when... In uh, our second hour, we get together with photojournalist, investigative journalist, Steve Baker. And he is on a very surreptitious task with a bunch of really informed, plugged-in people in a child human trafficking case down in Houston. He's been there for an entire week, a little more than a week. He'll weigh in. We'll get an update from him. I, I got to be honest with you, I'm really concerned about Steve being down there. If you were here last week, you heard him tell the story about that guy uh, under, it's like under a bridge in downtown Houston, where a lot of these trafficked children end up hiding in the bushes and weeds. It's a really spooky situation. And we've actually been praying for Steve for his protection. 
He was instructed not to even bring his own car down there because the cartels have access inside the Houston police force and they'll track license plate numbers. Who would think that that would be going on? These cartels are not American entities. They're not Americans at all. They're below the Mexican border, Texas-Mexican border, but their reach is way into the state of Texas and quite honestly, I believe it's all across the United States. Criminality and criminal minds, they go pretty much where they want to go. Why is that? Simple. The love of money is the root of all evil. If you ever question what or why, all you got to do to get the answer to that is go back to the very beginning and it almost every time is rooted in the love of money. I'm going to start the show by doing something a little bit unusual. Last night, I watched Trey Gowdy on Fox News. And uh, I like Trey a lot. I wish he was still in the House of Representatives. He he started his, I guess, I don't know that he started his legal career, but he was a prosecutor, federal prosecutor in the state of South Carolina. He ended up running for the House of Representatives. He was one of the junior leaders in the House for several years. And he decided to bail, and I, I would only be speculating if I told you why he bailed. I think this is my opinion, not his, but I think he bailed because he couldn't get anything done. And he's a get-stuff-done kind of guy. All that being said, he told a very, very um, uplifting story in the middle of all this chaos, this insanity, this pontificating, this law-breaking that's going on in our nation around us that flood the news. We see it every day. In the middle of all of that, he told a story that it rang home to me because it involved my university, the university that I went to. It's where I met my wife, Marianne, at Louisiana Tech University. Our children went to Louisiana Tech University. And two weeks ago, not this Saturday, but the previous Saturday, Louisiana Tech's football team played at Clemson in South Carolina. And what I'm about to tell you that happened didn't make national headlines. It's not one of those things normally that does. Let me just tell you what happened. One of the ball players on the Clemson team had a 15-year-old sister who died two weeks ago from brain cancer. You can imagine how tough that was for this football player on the Clemson team. Nobody said anything. Nobody pushed for any kind of big deal. Every player on Louisiana Tech University's football team wrote handwritten note to that football player on the Clemson team offering their condolences and prayers. Now think about that for just a moment. We're not talking about older men you know, that are mature and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds. And they didn't just go up and pat the guy on the back, you know, after the game was over and say, hey, we're sorry about your sister. That probably would have been sufficient for that player. But think about how many times in the last, oh, decade, you've actually picked up a pen with some paper 
and hand wrote a note to somebody or a letter. We just don't do that anymore. We have email, we have text, instant messaging, all kinds of ways that we communicate with each other in sound bites. They didn't do that. And the coach did not tell them to do it. The players themselves said, hey, why don't we, why don't we write this guy some notes? It just made me feel warm and fuzzy when I heard that last night. Not just because it was Louisiana Tech and the football team there but just because there is in that generation, there is still some good. There's still some caring selflessness that's rolling around. And even if it's just a speck, and maybe that's just the speck that's there, those kind of things, they're catchy. And when people live their lives where those kind of things that they choose to do become more and more prevalent, that's catchy and it catches on with other people. It catches on with these kids. I'm not stupid. I don't think that every football player at Louisiana Tech on their own just decided because they're such good people to do that. But the fact that when one or two of them brought it up, the consensus was, let's do something nice. Let's do the right thing. So in the midst of bitching and moaning and criminality and pontificating, politicizing, attacking, doing anything, saying anything necessary to try to get a leg up in a political race, which is what's going on right now as we head for the midterm elections in five weeks, in the middle of all of that, some sanity, some righteousness, some goodness pops up from men, young men. In today's generation, that did a lot for me. It did. It meant a lot for me. And in the middle of all of that, I I just, I'm going to start the second segment of the show. And I guess what we just did was a first. And I want to look back at some of the, the crazy fraud stuff that we've been subjected to just in recent times. And what brought her to mind was what happened last month. That black volleyball player from Duke University. Claims made, it just made national headlines. It's Rachel Richardson, female. She alleged that a fan from BYU, Brigham Young University, started hollering the N-word with threats at her throughout the entirety of the volleyball match between those two schools back last month, August 26th. Her in-the-moment allegation, it led to the immediate removal and permanent ban of the suspected racist and BYU-issued, of course, apologies to both Richardson and Duke University. And, of course, the national media just ate it up. She was featured prominently on Good Morning America, was interviewed about what she claimed to have uh, experienced during its August 30th broadcast. Janae... Norman, an ABC News correspondent, said she was really impressed with how the 19-year-old sophomore was handling all of this. And then co-host George Stephanopoulos replied, a lot of grace. ESPN, which is, by the way, ABC's sister network, ABC owns ESPN. ESPN offered uncritical coverage of it. Stephen A. Smith 
shamed BYU for failing to expeditiously address the alleged racist incident. And a fellow host at ESPN, and Duke alum, by the way, Jay Williams, wore a Blue Devil sweatshirt on air in solidarity with Richardson, telling the athlete, hold your head high. CNN, (laughs) of course, they went even deeper. Allison Camerata, Victor Blackwell, grilled BYU Athletic Director Tom Holmo for not taking swift action. And then weekend anchor, that man of integrity and honesty, Jim Acosta, he invited former NAACP President Cornell William Brooks to lambaste BYU. Other CNN programs, including New Day, Don Lemon Tonight, dedicated big portions of airtime to this controversy. The New York Times, they ran with this headline, Racial slur during college volleyball game leads to fan suspension. And they quoted Richardson, Rachel Richardson's father, writing, Here we are, Mr. Richardson, who said he grew up in Fort Worth when it was still desegregating, said in the interview, It's 2022, and we're dealing with the 1960s issues. He was also interviewed by both CNN and ABC News. Well, in the end of this, his daughter's claims were false. Lengthy investigations, which involved interviewing eyewitnesses, reviewing security camera footage from the game, it all concluded the fan in question was not exhibiting the behavior that she accused him of. In fact, BYU issued an apology to him, and they rescinded his ban from their athletic events. The media falls for these fake hoaxes hoaxes for the obvious reason every time. It plays into the Democrat far-left narrative that this is a racist country. To the left, the allegation is more important than the facts are. The media won't cover that investigation. The media won't cover the fact that the accuser was lying. They'll never let facts get in the way of sensational headlines regarding racism, systemic racism, institutionalized racism. In essence, the media and the Democrats will ignore the ultimate truth, and they're just moving on to another hoax. And this this wasn't the first one. Let's just look back a little bit. Back in 2019, a group of MAGA hat-wearing students from Kentucky's Covington Catholic High School, remember that? They were waiting for their bus on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial following the March for Life before they were taunted by a group of black Hebrew Israelites. The students responded by shouting their school's chants, which apparently offended a group of Native Americans who were also in the area for a different march. But what went viral was just that little short video of a confrontation between student Nicholas Sandman and Native American elder Nathan Phillips. While Sandman did nothing but smile at Phillips after the elder approached him, liberals on Twitter and in the media portrayed the teen as a racist aggressor. NBC News' Jose Diaz accused Sandman of harassing Phillips. CNN anchor Chris Cuomo, ex-CNN anchor by the way, alleged Sandman made a choice of turning it into a standoff. 
Washington Post columnist Jonathan Capehart declared, nothing justifies what the Covington student did. Julio Rosas, senior writer for Town Hall, author of five fiery but mostly peaceful the 2020 riots and the gaslighting of America, he said it took internet sleuths who who delved into hours of footage that had been circulating online to find the truth from the event rather than real journalists, actual journalists who got to the bottom of the viral confrontation. You would think the media would have learned a lesson by now. Not just automatically take these claims at face value, but they still, too, because there is an incentive to do so. When it especially comes to racially charged supposed situations, they just throw journalism standards to the way because they just want to hop on the latest and greatest kind of outrage. And I just think we're going to continue seeing the media make these same types of egregious mistakes. And yet, they have the audacity to ask why trust in the media is so low. Jesse Smollett. Remember that? Empire star Jesse Smollett alleged he was attacked by two MAGA hat-wearing thugs who yelled racial and homophobic slurs at him while he was out getting a Subway sandwich, yelling, This is MAGA country! He claimed the two men assaulted him, poured bleached on him, tied a noose around his neck. Of course, the, you remember it, the left went nuts. Then Senator Kamala Harris, who called the attacks a modern-day lynching. The media similarly offered sympathetic coverage. Good Morning America anchor Robin Roberts sat down with Jussie for his first interview following the alleged incident, offering minimal skepticism to his claims. The court trial later revealed that CNN anchor Don Lemon had texted Smollett about how the Chicago Police Department didn't believe him. As it turned out, it was a hoax. It was a hoax. Bubba Wallace's noose. You remember this NASCAR? He went to the garage, he said, and there was a noose hanging in his garage at the Talladega Speedway NASCAR just denounced the apparent act of racism. Even the FBI launched a probe into who planted that noose. And all it was was the pull-down string from a garage door. It was installed a month or more before Wallace even arrived at Talladega Speedway, and no garages had been assigned at that time. It was just the pull-down strap of the garage door. I could stay here all day, two hours, and give you case after case after case. It's about one thing and one thing only. It's not about being the best that one can be anymore. You remember that thing when we were kids? When we were kids, we being, I'm 69 years old. How old are you? Maybe you're 50. Maybe you're 40. I bet you even you, when you were in grade school, we all looked at, we had people come to our classrooms and talk to us about their professions. We began to seek and find a niche in the world's operations in which we felt like we could fit in, 
later when we grew up and we wanted to. We wanted to be firemen. We wanted to be policemen. We wanted to be astronauts. As kids, we aspired to achieve. Now, there's no need to even do that. And nobody takes the time. They don't have the time. I'm talking about iPhones. If you have an iPhone, if you don't, you have a Google phone, whatever it is. You've got access to the internet 24-7. You don't read anymore. You watch stuff. You play video games. And you social message. And all of the desire, all of the push, all of the ambition that I felt when I, when I even was in first, second, third, and fourth grade about what I was going to do when I grow up. That doesn't even exist in this generation of kids because they're too busy. They're too busy. They're playing video games. They're texting. They're watching videos on TikTok. Folks, listen. Having the ability to, in just a second, communicate with somebody on the opposite side of the globe and for them to respond seconds later, I don't denigrate that at all. It blows my mind. I'm a tech geek. Those of you that know me, you know I'm an electronics guy. I've got an iMac here in the studio. I've got an iMac at my office. I have a MacBook Pro. I have an iPad Air Pro. I've got two iPhones, um, high-speed internet, all those kinds of things. And I'm not denigrating having those things, using those things. This morning I sat down for just a few minutes before I came back to the studio and, and I watched satellite television to get some news headlines to see what happened in the time from when I got up this morning at 5 to when I got ready to prepare for the final stuff of the show. We take all of that for granted, but folks, it's a price that we are paying. We have paid, and it's incalculable, but we've lost our desire, our hunger to know. And we just relinquish the necessity of finding out truths in our lives around us to others, to the likes of CNN and MSNBC the Washington Post, and sometimes even Fox News. And we just wait for them to tell us what to believe, what's good, what's bad, and we just automatically swallow it hook, line, and sinker. I'm tired of that in this generation. I am. I am tired of people just accepting instead of questioning. The geniuses in our in our wake behind us that have made decisions discoveries that changed the world. And I'm talking about not climate change. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about pollution. I'm not talking about racism. I'm talking about making life better for our fellow Americans and other country citizens by coming up with new ideas, coming up with new revelations, inventions, that make life better so that we can all step up a notch or two. I've told you the crabology story again. I'm going to just give you a snippet of it. If you go crabbing South Louisiana, 
You got a crab trap. It's got net around it. It's a square or an oblong, and it's got a hole in the top. You put chicken necks in the hole in the top down in the bottom. You put the crab trap down in the water. Crabs are going to find their way to get into the crab trap to get the chicken. Later, when you pull the trap out and set it on the ground and leave it there for long enough, you're going to see one of the crabs will figure out, hey, I can get out of here by climbing up the side across the top and crawling out through the hole. But he never gets out through the hole. Why? One of the other crabs down below reaches up and pulls him back down. Instead of us doing what's better for us, finding ways to do things better, finding new things to do, instead of doing that so that we can get to and out of the crab trap ourselves, we reach up and grab those that are up there doing what we should be doing and pulling them back down to our level. We're way down that road here in the United States of America. I didn't think or I didn't plan on preaching a sermon about this. (laughs) I'm not a preacher, but I'm telling you, I've got six grandkids. The oldest is 22. That means I've got some young Americans in my family. I treasure them. I love them dearly. And none of the six are perfect. And I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you something and you may not believe it, but it's true. Poppy, they're Poppy, me. I'm not perfect. We all screw up, but it's much better to screw up because you're trying to do something. You're trying to accomplish something. You're trying to move your mind, your thinking, your emotions forward. You're trying to grow instead of just sitting in one spot and when anybody around you dares be progressive, and I mean really progressive. I'm not talking about the Democrat Party progressives. I'm talking about really doing something new and innovative that's going to make things better for me and others. Instead of watching others around us occasionally adopt that mindset and try to do and get out, we got to stop reaching up and pulling them back down. We have to applaud what the good that is in anybody else. We have to applaud that instead of denigrating and pulling them back down. Everything's not about racism. Everything's not about gender equity. Everything is not about economic justice. It's not. It's simply not. Some of the wealthiest people that have ever breathed on this planet went busted before they ever made it. You ever had Kentucky Fried Chicken? Colonel Sanders went bankrupt before he ever started KFC. And there are stories after stories after stories about the same thing. But people are trying. When they're trying and something goes wrong and they fail, these people that I just mentioned and others the people that are not parties in the story that we've just been through, the media folks. When people work hard, work smart, and never quit, and they find the best in others, and they're attuned and akin to the suffering and the problems of others, and they really give a rip, and not only that, they act like they give a rip, 
and they invest some of their emotions, their thoughts, their positivity in others, good things happen in America. Louisiana Tech football players taking a time to write, handwrite a letter to a fellow football player on Clemson's football team that lost his sister the week before to brain cancer, that's stepping out there. That's doing something good. And I applaud, I applaud the Louisiana Tech football players for doing that. Trey Gowdy, when he mentioned it, he quoted Dabo Sweeney, what Sweeney said after that ball game. Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney, he said what those players did, that's success. What the Louisiana Tech players did, handwriting those letters, that is the definition of success, realizing our lives got to be bigger than just us. We live in a world full of other us's. We need to step out of our own little crab traps and look at the world around us and realize we can do more that we're doing. And we need to ourselves. And we need to do it, not just for us, but for others as well. Holidays abroad. Can we, can't we? But then we thought, should we? Staycation. We could share a yurt. Please, no. Luckily, we've picked British Airways holidays. Small deposit and can change if we need to. Decision made. Moonlight skinny dipping. <laughs> we've booked St. Lucia. Two weeks. Did you? Why didn't we? Ah, clever you. British Airways holidays. At all protected. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic DSSV shocks, so it's just gonna be that much more of a fun truck. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. I've always wondered what weapons-grade stupidity is about. I guess we've uh, we've got it illustrated all around us, don't we? Well, what do we have coming up this hour? We have Arizona Representative Biggs 
And uh, he's going to talk to us about Hunter Biden and some new email stuff and our southern border problems. Well, the White House is mad, and it's not about the problems that we're having, but they're mad about Fox News actually having someone on the border that is bringing the news, the truth about what's going on at the southern border that makes the White House look bad. They're mad about it. We've got that. I told you we've got Hillary Clinton coming on and our buddy from right here in Louisiana, Senator John Kennedy. Before we get into all those, have have you heard what happened to that pro-life father, a Catholic pro-life speaker from Kentnersville, Pennsylvania? This, this is a, an amazing story with no prior warning at all. And in spite of the fact that this guy, Mark Houck, is represented by an attorney, Biden's Justice Department sent a fully armed SWAT team into a home full of young kids at daybreak to arrest their dad for protecting his son. Pennsylvania pro-life activist Ashley Garrett and her husband said this through a Christian crowdfunding platform, Give, Send, Go, calling the action harassment driven by what they call the corrupt and politicized justice system under Joe Biden. So here's what it is. About 25 to 30 FBI agents swarmed Houck's rural property in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, about 7 in the morning three days ago pointing rifles at the mom and dad in front of their horrified kids. The 48-year-old was charged the same day with physically assaulting a patient escort at a Planned Parenthood clinic in Philadelphia nearly a year ago. And this SWAT assault was because of that. If Hauk is convicted he faces up to a maximum of 11 years in prison, three years of supervised release, and fines of up to $350,000. Now that's according to the Department of Justice. The Garricks had gathered more than $137,000 through their crowdfunding page for the family as of Sunday. That's far beyond an initial $30,000 goal. Funds raised through the campaign, going to go to help the family with any necessary expenses. We'll not back down. We'll not stop fighting to protect the lives of Pennsylvania's unborn children. And that's what it was all about. Hauk, he's a co-founder and president of the Kingsmen, which is a nonprofit group. And guess what they do? They promote healing for victims of pornography addiction, also regularly provide sidewalk counseling and praise the rosary outside of abortion clinics in Philadelphia. So the allegation against him stemmed from Houck's attempt last year to protect his 12-year-old son from a pro-abortion activist outside of an abortion clinic in downtown Philadelphia. The father shoved the man to the ground after the man kept hurling crude, inappropriate, and disgusting comments at the house and entered the son's personal space. Last year, Mark and his son were praying in front of the Planned Parenthood at 12th and Locust in Philly when one of the escorts 
began harassing Mark's son, they walked down the street away from the entrance to the building. The escort followed them, and when he continued yelling at Mark's son, Mark pushed him away. It's all on video. So this guy's been indicted. Now, this should scare every one of us. I got to be honest with you. I've never picketed at a Planned Parenthood clinic, but I have marched against abortion. And I got to be honest with you. The last one I did was very well televised. It was hundreds of people in little Shrevesville, Louisiana. And we marched across the bridge from Bossier City, which is the sister city of Shreveport, the Red River divides the two cities, we marched across the bridge into downtown Shreveport. Somebody could have gotten in my face that day. And if they got into the faces of one of my grandsons and it got ugly or potentially was getting ugly, I would step in and push the guy away. This guy, Hauk, is indicted, federally indicted, because of one little incident. In a press release, U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania said that Hauk is in violation of the Freedom of Access to Clinic Entrances Act after having twice assaulted a man because he was a volunteer reproductive health care clinic escort. Of course, the DOJ won't respond to any phone calls, text, or emails to try to get more information. The reason I'm making this a big deal is this could happen to you very quickly, unannounced, and very easily. That's Joe Biden's Department of Justice, folks. An FBI whistleblower came out last week, reported the Office of Special Counsel that he believes the FBI and the Justice Department are violating the constitutional rights of those January 6 defendants. He alleges, this is an FBI guy, FBI whistleblower. He alleges falsifying statistics on domestic extremism and misusing SWAT teams to make misdemeanor arrest. And this guy's on the record. Special Agent Stephen Friend who works for the FBI in Florida, serves as a SWAT team member, told the Maine Federal Whistleblower Office in Washington he had an exemplary work record since he joined the Bureau in 2014, even won awards. But he was suspended in recent days after he began raising concerns about the FBI's and the DOJ's conduct in their January 6th investigation. He said this, I believe the investigations were inconsistent with FBI procedure and resulted in the violation of citizens' Sixth and Eighth Amendment rights. I added that many of my colleagues expressed similar concerns to me, but had not vocalized their objections to FBI executive management. Friend said one of his many concerns is this. FBI is using SWAT teams to arrest January 6th defendants facing misdemeanor charges, violating the FBI's Domestic Investigations and Operations Guide, and they're creating a unsafe encounter environment. I responded, he said, that it was inappropriate to use an FBI SWAT team to arrest a subject for misdemeanor. 
and opined that the subject would likely face extended detainment and biased jury pools just because it happened in Washington, D.C. Now put that in the context of your world. 99 and 9 tenths percent of the people that went to D.C. for January 6th, they were peaceful protesters. Peaceful protesters. And some of these people, even though they were nothing more than peaceful protesters, have been the subject of exactly what is described here. SWAT team coming to their house, arresting them very publicly, and throwing them in that D.C. jail where they've been, many of them, more than 18 months. That's happening in your America today. There's more than a hundred of them in there with this exact same thing. Charged many of them with just misdemeanors. Not convicted, charged. I know personally two friends from right here in Northwest Louisiana that were there. And they went up just to go see. They wanted to go to Washington, D.C. They wanted to see the Capitol. They wanted to see and hear Donald Trump while he was president. And that was his last big public appearance. They went just for that. They didn't go up there for any kind of cause. Steve Baker, our photojournalist buddy that's on the show every Tuesday. He'll be on here tomorrow. Hopefully. (laughs) I haven't heard from him in a couple of days. He was there. All he did was shoot video. He didn't talk to people. He didn't try to do anything. He is and was being an investigative journalist. That's what he does. The FBI has put him on notice of a pending indictment against him. And you know what they told him the indictment is going to be? You're not going to believe this. Some of his videos from that day have appeared at news sites all around the world. I'm talking about major network broadcast, news broadcast. He did really good work and got a lot of good stuff. And so one news entity heard about it, looking for it. Somebody said, hey, we got this guy from North Carolina. He's a photojournalist. He shot some really good stuff. They reach out to Steve. He sends it to him. The FBI is threatening to indict him for racketeering. Racketeering. Does that sound evil? Do you know what racketeering is? Let me tell you what it is. It's when a person or a group of people collude together for some kind of international, borderlines erased, fraud, criminal activity that he purposely did what he did on January 6th, shooting this video to make the government, our government, look bad in cahoots with some of our foreign foes and sent that stuff over there to make us look bad. That's racketeering in their definition. This is what we are living under today. And this is not make-believe. This is the real thing, folks. This is happening in your America. You're America. And this government, this administration, they take responsibility for nothing. They will not accept any liability, none whatsoever. Inflation 
is eating up your world. It's eating up mine. And Biden's now blaming Republicans for inflation. Joining me now is Kevin Hassett, former chair of the Council on Economic Advisors under Trump and Hoover Institution fellow. Kevin, uh, back in October 2021, you went out on a limb and you predicted a recession. What did you see then that Biden's team obviously missed or just knew but decided to ignore? Sure. And, and, you know, thank goodness you've been, you know, way out in front helping people understand the correct economics. And what we saw was that inflation was spinning out of control, accelerating, and that that was going to, you know, run way ahead of any wage increases and people were going to be worse off. And so if you look at the numbers right now, which I suspected were going to happen, but, but now we know that the typical American family, the average American family has to spend $460 more this month in order to buy the same stuff they bought last year at this time. And if your wage didn't go up by, you know, more than $5,000 this year, then you're worse off. And so GDP's got to decline if people can't buy the same amount of stuff they bought last year. Uh, and that's what we're seeing in the data. We've got two negative quarters. That's always been a recession in the past. The third quarter number is looking like it's going to be negative as well. And so Americans are hurting. Uh, and, and the metric of how they're hurting is, you know, that $460 a month. That's a huge amount of money to have to spend in order to just uh, tread water with your family's consumption. Well, it's getting, it's getting worse than that because... Any wage gains Americans have seen have been totally swamped by the 8.3% a rise in the consumer price index. So you, you might have gotten a wage increase, but for the average American, that's still lost money. That means your, your accounts are going down, your savings is going down if you had any to begin with. So that's why it's so yeah. bad. Your cash is, is worth less because of inflation and the costs are going up. Yeah, that's right. And, and uh, you know, if we go to uh, the financial sector, uh, that in the stock market, if you put $10,000 in the stock market when uh, President Trump took office, then it about doubled uh, over his four years. And it's down about 30 uh, percent this year. And so if you think about it, what that means is that for the typical American family that has a little more than $100,000 in wealth, uh, then that means that they've lost, you know, about $30,000. And so not wow. only do you have to spend that extra $460 a month, but your, your wealth is down by that much as well. And finally, with the Fed hiking rates, then home prices are going to take a big hit, probably drop 20 or 30 percent over the next 12 months. And so that all of the assets that typical Americans own are headed south right now, and it's because of these terrible policies. Now, in today's speech to the NEA, uh, the president continued his inflation blame game. Kevin, watch. In addition to inheriting a failed MAGA Republican economy, we also confronted a global pandemic and Putin's war in Ukraine. And that's driven the global inflation we see today. That's why it's so important that we pass the Inflation Reduction Act. Kevin, this is so bad. I mean, I don't know who's writing this, but where does the buck stop exactly? You know, the, the buck stop really uh, stops really with the folks, the, the career economists that let him say stuff like that. Uh, the fact is that it's just not true. 
Uh, and in fact, uh, everybody knows that if the, you know, if the government prints money and mails it to people like a helicopter drop, which is what Biden's done, uh, at the same time attacking supply, so demand's running ahead of supply, that you get inflation. And this is what Larry Summers saw. This is what Jason Furman, the CEA chair for Obama, saw. And this is what, what I've seen. And, and uh, I was at the Jackson Hole conference uh, where Jay Powell sort of scared markets and said, look, I'm serious this time. And I, I think he is. But at the Jackson Hole conference, you know, it was absolutely clear uh, because there was a, like a very uh, sound academic paper presented that it was Biden's policies that caused inflation to, to lift off. And the, again, can you imagine? They had, they had 6% growth that they inherited oh because we had basically uh, had the COVID shutdowns, which I regret in the past be, being part of the, the team that did that. But we had economic policies that got us back up and going. And that's why, you know, we had two quarters of 6% growth, which is a really high growth number when Biden took office. And now here we're looking at, you know, probably the third negative quarter in a row. And, you know, the Fed tightening while that's happening. And so there's really no saying how bad this is going to be, uh, especially if uh, there's not a change in policymaking in Washington. Well, everyone's got to get out there and vote. Kevin, thank you very much for joining us tonight. Thank you, Larry. For those of you that weren't around in the late 70s, I will tell you this, what we're seeing now economically is exactly what we lived through when Jimmy Carter was president of the United States. Prime interest went to 20%. Think about that. What that would mean if you got a mortgage back then, mortgage rates were at 15, 16, 17%. And now we're really upset because they're four or 5%. And of course, Biden takes no responsibility for any of this. He, he bragged for months and months and months that he was the one that got the shots out for COVID-19. He's the one that finally Trump couldn't get the vaccines out, and he did it. Apparently, they forgot to tell him that on national television, before he was president, he sat in a chair, and he was vaccinated and made a big deal about it. And it wasn't because he did anything. It was because the Trump administration had done it. This president, he's just vapid. There's no there there. Not going to dig into all of that. I'm just telling you, any time during the Obama and Biden eight years, anything went well, it was because of their policy decisions. Anything that went bad, it was because of what happened in the Bush 43 eight years. And they inherited, just like you heard him say just a moment ago, we inherited a horrible economy. Horse hockey. Let me have that economy back. Oh my gosh, I don't remember a time in my adult life when financially there was so little pressure. Everything seemed to be flowing well and from top to bottom in our economy and for people across the nation. Didn't take Biden very long to screw that up. Didn't take him long after he screwed it up to look back and say, I didn't have any part of that. That was Trump. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, 
grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a... Bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. If you just joined us, weren't here at the top of the show. Just want to remind you, Louisiana Congressman from the 4th Congressional District, Mike Johnson, joins us live tomorrow morning at the top of our first hour at 9 o'clock. I've uh, communicated with him a couple of times through the weekend, and again this morning, we're going to talk about what is included in the commitment to America that was announced on Friday by a contingency of Republicans up in Pennsylvania. Commitment to America, it's... It's going to be similar, uh, we are told, that Newt Gingrich's contract with America that was so successful back when the Republicans took the House in Jimmy, uh, in Jimmy, uh, I'm sorry, in Bill Clinton's second term, the Republicans took control of the House, Newt Gingrich was the Speaker of the House, and the economic ideals that were put together, and by the way, Clinton signed on. And he got to take a lot of credit for the successes. We are told that this commitment to America by this Republican Party is a lot like that. We'll get all that and a whole lot more tomorrow morning. Um, I think he's going to be with us for maybe up to a half hour. I've got a just a treasure trove of questions to ask him. If you've got something specific you want him to uh, weigh in on, drop me an email, dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org, and I'll drop it on him as many of them as we possibly can. I got five little points that I just want to mention to you. These are points of clarity and understanding. And this has been kind of a foggy first hour today. I mean, look around us. There are so many little bitty things, you know, things that aren't massive like a war with Russia invading the U.S. or something like that, but very annoying little things, things that you can't quite get your fingers on. It's been that kind of a day. So let me clarify a couple of things for you with some absolutes. One, you cannot legislate the poor into freedom by legislating the wealthy out of freedom. You cannot legislate the poor into freedom by legislating the wealthy out of freedom. Number two, what one person receives without working for, another person must work for without receiving. Number three, the government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from someone else. Number four, when half of the people get the idea that they don't have to work, 
because the other half is going to take care of them. And when the other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they work for, that is the beginning of the end of a nation. And finally, it's impossible to multiply wealth by dividing it. Wow. Very simple truths there, but they're truths no less. And uh, here we are, folks. We're living in the middle of that kind of stuff. Have you noticed, heard anything about COVID-19? Heard anything about the flu? Heard anything regarding vaccines and all that kind of stuff? It's been kind of quiet the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Well, in the quiet about vaccine mandates and stuff like that, every few days, very quietly, we get a report that a a vaccine mandate has been removed. The latest, New York cops. New York cops have scored a big win in their fight against the Big Apple's COVID-19 vaccine mandate, and it cost some of them their jobs a New York Supreme Court judge ruling that the mandate as it applies to members of the Police Benevolent Association is invalid and that cops that were fired must be given back their jobs. The judge's name is Lyle Frank. He said in his Friday ruling that that Benevolent Association members who lost their jobs for refusing the vaccine must be reinstated to the status they were as of the date of the wrongful action. It's unclear how many of those members lost their jobs because of the mandate, but more than 1,750 city employees have been fired for refusing to get the shot. Think about what that's done to those people's lives. 1,750 people. In the ruling, a key reason why the mandate was illegal is because the city didn't collectively bargain with that union, which represents 24,000 members of the New York City Police Department. While there were a multitude of cases where courts have ruled against challenges to vaccines being a condition of employment, in those instances, the city and the respective union did collectively bargain to include vaccine mandates as a new condition of employ. I'm not going to go any deeper into it. I just wanted to make it clear to you that one by one by one, it seems that some of this stuff is getting cleared in the air. You want to switch to the southern border for a bit? Not a long time, but let's just let's just spend a couple of minutes there. This one's kind of, uh, I don't know, is it gross? It's kind of spooky. So as what has been happening down on the southern border gets worse and worse by the day, there's some stuff down there nobody wants to talk about, and that is that morgues across the southern border are completely overwhelmed. I bet you haven't thought about this. It's just another day at the Webb County Medical Examiner's Office. little small morgue. It's now one of the busiest along the southern border. Every day, the team there wheels in another migrant body, adding to the more than 300 
they have already processed so far this year. We hear about these, you know, these illegals that are drowning or they find them, they've died from the heat or whatever. They find their body. We never think about what happens to them. It's a crisis, Dr. Corrine Stern said, who is the medical examiner for that particular area. We're in the middle of a crisis. Stern has been a medical examiner in Texas for more than 20 years. Not all the border counties have one, a medical examiner's office. So Stern serves nearly a dozen Texas counties. Now, for the first time ever, she has stopped accepting migrant cases because they have no place to put the bodies. It's full. I currently have not a single space in that cooler. That's pretty graphic, pretty grim. It's a reality that all those people down at the southern border are going through. Nobody in Martha's Vineyard, nobody in Chicago, nobody in D.C., but tons of dead illegals, their bodies. They're trying to find places to keep them in South Texas. Cameras were rolling as one man from Mexico was found dead out on the Webb County ranch The medical examiner fingerprinted and documented the death. Nowhere to send the bodies now. Makeshift cemeteries are popping up across the border. Plots in Maverick County are marked by PVC pipe crosses. The tags read Jane and John Doe, and at least one small child is buried below the Texas dirt. Every single one of these, the medical examiner says, was preventable. Border Patrol sources say that more than 3,000 migrants have died while trying to cross into the U.S. since the beginning of last fiscal year. Just this past week, within 24 hours, agents in Eagle Pass, Texas, pulled two bodies out of the river. While the crisis goes on and rages, a heartfelt warning from the doctor who knows just how deadly the journey is, don't listen to what the coyotes are telling you. They could care less if you make this journey safely. And oh, by the way, what's the current tab? The current amount of money you got to pay some of these cartel members to escort you or your kids across the border? Got a guess? $15,000. $15,000. A billion dollars a month is the estimate that the cartels are making through their operations thanks to the Biden administration, thanks to Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, Department of Justice, Attorney General Merrick Garland. All of those people have the ability and the legal obligation to make our federal laws work at the southern border, and none of them are doing it. The President Mayorkas, the Attorney General, none of them are doing it. And when anybody down south dares say, hey, we got to do something, we can't keep on doing this, and they do something to wake the nation up, everybody in D.C. gets hacked off. Why? Because they're being exposed. Americans are looking at and seeing exactly what these people in the southern parts of California, Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas are dealing with, and they agree it's not right. 
Have you heard the name Ken Blackwell? Ken Blackwell is a former Ohio Secretary of State, and he now is the mayor of Cincinnati. He's an African-American guy, and he predicted that the Republican Party is going to win the majority in both the House and the Senate in the midterms. He said, we will see a sea of change in the composition of the Congress, which means we'll have a sizable majority in the House, we'll have a squeaker of a majority in the Senate, he said in an interview after a news conference in Washington over the weekend. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich delivered live remarks virtually at the event, and he endorsed what's called a prosperity plan. Part of the plan includes making the Trump-era tax reform the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, making that permanent. Biden and other Dems have criticized that legislation for benefiting wealthy Americans. The tax reform package included across-the-board tax cuts. Let me just explain something to you, and it's not a real difficult understanding. When you reduce Americans' taxes a certain percentage amount, Who's going to get the greatest cut in taxes, even if it's using the same percentage? The people that pay in the most. And Biden, they've tried, he and his ilk have tried for years now to not tell the American people the truth about that. They are saying, of course, the wealthy, they got far more in the way of tax deductions than did the middle class. Well, it's because they put more money in. They pay more, you get more out, but the percentages are the same. Blackwell was asked how the tax reform law could become permanent under a GOP majority in Congress with Biden in the White House. And here's what he said. The Democrat administration, the Biden administration, will have a short shelf life if it doesn't get on board with things that would curve inflation downward and actually expand our economy and our job creation. That's what the mayor of Cincinnati said, Blackwell. It's going to be his choice, but one of the things that we know is that we can stop the damage. We can put a tourniquet on the bleeding. Not a lot of people out there on the Democrat side coming up with hardcore plans saying, here's what's going to happen. Here's what we're going to do. What they are saying almost daily is, hey, We need some more money. We need Republicans to let us spend some more money so we can stop Americans' horrible life circumstances. Yeah, those that you created with your horribly, crazy, stupid inflationary spending policies. So what about Donald Trump? We haven't talked about Trump today. Well, let me tell you somebody who is talking about Donald Trump now, Hillary Clinton. Here we go again. <laughs> we're, we're, we're dialing back to 2016 when she and Donald were going after each other. And, of course, here's the thing that really turns off tons of Democrats that I know, that they are Democrats, but they're kind of very conservative Democrats. And in the South, there are a lot of those people. And they don't look at and like what politicians are doing in their party, the Democrat Party, on the most part. And it's pretty much all the time. Instead of coming up with a 
whole group of good things with specifics. Here's what we're going to do to make life better for you. Bam, bam, bam. Instead of doing that, they look across the aisle and they just tear their political opponents to pieces, rip them to shreds. And what those people are saying we're going to do, or here's what we need to do. And here's what I'll do. If you elect me, instead of getting on board and getting positive and saying, well, you need to rethink that. They said this. And if they do this, this is the bad stuff's going to happen. That would make too much sense. Americans can understand logic, but logic doesn't work really well very often in politics. It's got to be all about political purposes and narrative. They all think that the American people are stupid. I'll give you a definition of stupid. Republicans outlining their bold vision for America ahead of the November midterms and giving voters a clear contrast to the radical policies of the Democrats. The GOP's commitment to America, putting the spotlight on the issues that actually matter to the American people, inflation, crime, border security, all fitting into these four categories. Number one, an economy that's strong, a nation that's safe, a future that's built on freedom and a government that's accountable. Here's the Republican leadership today. They control the House, the Senate, the White House. They control the committees. They control the agencies. It's their plan. But they have no plan to fix all the problems they created. There can be hope. There can be opportunity so that when you wake up, it's not just to go to work for yourself. It's to go to work to make sure your kids can have a better future. And there's nowhere else in the world where that opportunity exists. Moms and dads across this country, they know that parents are the primary stakeholders in their kids' education, which is why we will pass a parent's bill of rights. Now compare that with President Biden, palling around today with the biggest teachers union in the country. Yeah, the same folks who pushed school shutdowns and masks for your kids. Biden addressing the left-wing National Education Association earlier. The House Minority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, went to Pennsylvania and unveiled on what he calls a commitment to America. That's, a, that's a, a thin series of policy goals with little or no detail. The survival of our, our plan is on the ballot. And that sounds like hyperbole, but it genuinely is. I remember I got beat up in the campaign by saying that I wanted to unify the country and unify the parties. We used to be able to do that. But things have changed a whole bunch. The MAGA Republicans control the Republican Party right now. This November, you have to choose to be a nation of hope, unity, and optimism or a nation of fear, division, and darkness. Oh, very inspiring by the president. So, Judge Jeanine, what did you make of Kevin McCarthy and the entire Republican Party's commitment to America? I think that, that the commitment to America is one that reflects the things that people are interested in. They're interested in inflation, how much it's going to cost to fill your car, your truck up, how much food costs. They're interested in education, just like uh, they called it. Uh, the parents are the original stakeholders when it comes to their kids. Parents' Bill of Rights, finally. Uh, they're interested in border security. They're interested in the fossil fuel industry and ramping it up again so that we're not, you know, uh, in a position where uh, we're not able to at least afford gas. But here, here's the bottom line of all of this. The Democrats have been in power for two years. Everything has gone to hell in a handbasket in two years. OK, uh, and the, the, the price of everything has gone up to fill your car has gone up. Crime has gone up. Inflation has gone up. 
Two million people have entered the country in the last year. We don't know who they are. We don't know who's a pedophile, who's a, who's, who's a criminal. They may be priests. I don't know. But what I do know is that we don't know who they are. We don't have enough place to bury them. I just did a segment on another show. We don't even know where we're burying them. But here's the bottom line. When Joe Biden wants to talk about hope and options and get rid of a, a Republicans, this guy doesn't offer anything other than hate and MAGA Republicans. And that's a sad part about all this. And Ron Klain, he's talking about the people going hungry when Biden came into office. He's talking about businesses being closed. That's because the Democrats are the ones who locked everything down and they didn't even want the vaccine out until after Trump was gone. Look, Joe Biden has responded to all the mess by unnecessary spending, and he's created an inflation that has literally put us into a recession. And the producers are telling me that we just got some fresh new sound from Hillary Clinton. I don't know what the sound is, but apparently it's pretty provocative. Let's Not listen. The sound of music. I remember as a as a young student, you know, trying to figure out how did people get basically um, drawn in by Hitler. How did that happen? And I'd watch newsreels and I'd see this guy standing up there ranting and raving and people shouting and raising their arms. I thought, what's happened to these people? Why did they believe that? You saw the rally in Ohio the other night. Trump is there ranting and raving for uh, more than an hour and you have these rows of young men with their arms raised. Did I see a Hitler salute at a Trump rally? I, I missed that. Might be a minor mischaracterization and also the conflation of a Trump rally and people who feel politically disconnected uh, to the rise of Hitler. That may be a bit of a stretch. And, you know, according to Godwin's law, she's already lost the argument because whenever you have to invoke Hitler or Nazism to make your point, you have failed. She has failed running for president twice. No one really wants to hear what she has to say. Uh, she's not talking about any new ideas. She's not talking about ways to ease people's pain. And Joe Biden standing up there with the most powerful teachers union in the country, parents have not forgotten the pandemic. Parents are watching this who were apolitical before the entire world was shut down. And they're looking at him and all the money that these teachers unions give to Democrats, people who are in power, and all they do is enrich each other. They're looking at that going, how dare you? And they hear Elise Stefanik say, yeah, we're going to come up with a parent's bill of rights. They weren't Republicans before, but they certainly are listening now because they can't afford anything and they have been completely ostracized from their kids' schools. So Hillary Clinton comparing everything to Hitler? Goodbye, dear. I, I think we would have seen this before if Trump had a rally over the weekend. It's Friday, and this is the first time I'm hearing about the whole crowd throwing up Nazi salutes. Yeah, this is I, not a real story. No, and, you know, his son, son-in-law, Jared Kushner, I believe, might have an issue with that. Like, this, <laughs> this, is, the, this is what happens. Like, I, I'm, and I can't speak for Harold, but there have been times in my life where you're trying to debate, and someone's losing debate, and they immediately go to the color of your skin, and they'll say something about it, my hat backwards or hood thing. It's the desperate of attempt of someone who has lost the argument. They've lost the argument, and they only talk in echo chambers. She's so lazy with it, she wouldn't even stand up and show any emotion. She just sat there in her chair and, like, how she was so confused with how people were biting in Hitler. And there was the same thing. There was, they, they don't even put 
emotion and thought. They just speak to hear themselves speak. The good news is, is that the American people are starting to respond. We're starting to see people challenging the woke, and they're doing it now. The only thing that I'm concerned with is the Republicans have a real opportunity here. But just like if you want to build anything, Build Back America, et cetera, however you want to call it, the blueprint needs to be solid. We need to hear plans. The Republicans, if they get in and don't do anything, then they're no better than what we're dealing with right now. So we need plans. We need people to get in, forget the lip service, start telling me how we're going to do it and get this country back on track. I think I know what Hillary was doing here. She either fell for a hoax and is too stupid to realize no one was doing that at the Trump rally, or she knows it's BS, but she just wants to say Trump, Hitler, Nazi salute, because then the media is going to write stories and say Trump, Hitler, Nazi salute. That's the move. I don't, I don't, I don't know the move. Uh, I, do I know, know the move. I know right. it better than she does. I, I did see, in, in fairness, I don't, I don't know what she's talking about fully, but I did see something going around on Twitter where they, there was this picture, the look that they said was at a Trump rally. I don't know if it was. We'll, we'll, have, the producers, we'll have the producers, we'll have the producers look into okay, yeah. it in the commercial break. One. So, so two things. First, um, I think what the Republicans have done in putting forward a plan is a good thing. Uh, whether you agree with it or not, I think campaigns are about choices. And up to this point, all we've heard the Republicans largely say is what they were against. They're against Hunter Biden. They're against Joe Biden. They're against Dr. Fauci. This here is at least something they're for. I do think there's some criticism. Some of the criticism is warranted around. Is it a, is it an in-depth uh, sense of how they're going to go about it? Is the Parents' Bill of Rights enumerated? Those are things they'll have to go through to the campaign. But I love the fact we're giving people, giving people choices because Democrats are saying we're for reducing drug prices. We're for freedom of choice for women and families and doctors. We're for reducing taxes on mainstream, main street businesses. And Taxes uh, and gas prices are coming down. We can debate why they're coming down. And frankly, I think the quintessential issue for your kids and my kids and our kids, air, all of us around this table, is whether or not we eject Russia uh, from Ukraine. And we seem to have better news today than before. And you've got to give the president some credit there. But this is a win-win for the American public tonight because we finally have the choices, the priorities of the Republicans and the choices and the priorities of Democrats in the country is going to have an opportunity to decide. Democrats are encouraged because the polling data shows that this race is tightening. So we can sit here and argue, debate, and quarrel, but when the, when the numbers are good for us, some we, we, we brag about them. When they're bad, bad for us, we have to be willing to, to say, say when they are. The, 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 the polls have tightened. Both sides have laid out what they want to do, and now it's the country's decision, and we'll see here in the next uh, 50, 45 or 50 days. You looked confused, Judge. Did you talk about ejecting Russia out of Ukraine? I absolutely did. Okay. I said, I said we are we're winning this. I hope we're all. I think we're all on the same page on that. We don't want Russia to to take Ukraine. Ukraine is winning. And I don't uh, want three. Putin, Putin uh, is losing. Right. But but I think the important thing for Americans are 300 Americans are dying a day from fentanyl coming through the southern border. I'm worried about Americans right now who are dying because that border is open. That's like my primary concern is Americans. So my primary concern is Americans also and not allowing Russia to take yeah. Ukraine. Now, if you're, you're, if you're, you're Republican, affected by United Nations Week, I know, Harold, there's a lot of diplomats no, 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 in town. Said, it's no, kind of no, seeping no. in. Let me just say this. If you're serious, if the Republicans are serious about fentanyl, and I believe they are. When I was in Congress and there was a Republican in the White House, his name was George W. Bush. When we had ideas, we put a package together and went over to try to see the president. Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise and Mr. Fonick, they should all, the Congresswoman should all say, Mr. President, we have a plan to stop fentanyl at our border. Let us come Why over. Why can't Joe Biden come up with a plan? He's a president. But he's you, got the but, House but, but and the Oval and the Senate. But they say he's dumb and he's incompetent and senile. Well, if do he something isn't. and prove you're not. He <laughs> hasn't done it yet. Why didn't the so, vice president do something? That's what she was tasked with. No, no, we haven't seen her do anything on that. That would be, if, hey, if she had a, a 10-point plan, I would absolutely be listening. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen anything from her. Kennedy, she clearly doesn't. 
So if they have one, they had to take it over there and give it to us right. before the election. <laughs> We're all going to have a meeting at the White House on Friday. That is if Joe isn't in Delaware. Harold, I'll go with you. I don't know what you think about the five. I don't get to watch them very often. But sometimes you hear really good back and forth. That's what's missing, in my opinion, in the conversation with the, most of our politicians today. There is no back and forth. There's no discussion. I mean, it is literally, it's my way or the highway. We're not going to negotiate or even talk about anything. You either believe the truth, and the truth is what I say it is, or you don't believe the truth and you're worthless, you're not worth anything, and I'm not going to have a conversation with you. That's the world in which we see our leaders in D.C. living. Before we went live on the show today, I was looking at and listening to a back and forth in a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing from last week, Jim Jordan from Ohio, very powerful, very vocal Republican member of the House of Representatives, and Jerry Nadler, who is the chairman of that committee from New York. I call him the Penguin. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Jim wanted to play a video and there is a policy. It's not a rule. In fact, let me let me just do this. We're going to go to break. I'm going to try to find that short video just so that you can hear some of the insanity that goes on when our lawmakers get together and they're supposed to be crafting laws. And it had nothing to do. It was, it was a crazy conversation. Everybody in the committee hearing was going after each other. And it was about policy stuff trying to keep a video from being shown and being put on the record. Jim Jordan had it put together. Apparently there is a policy. It's not a rule, but a policy that you have to give the other side 48 hours notice that you're going to play a video in a hearing. And he hadn't done that. And it turns out there is no rule that says you can't do it. It's a policy. And it's just an explanation of exactly how feckless our government is instead of doing what the five just did. They talked about differences. They talked about opinions that vary. That's fine. Just because you don't think like me doesn't mean you're worthless or that you're stupid. It means you have a different opinion. Coming up, we're going to get into the polls. Yeah, it's that time of the season, folks. We've got a midterm election coming up in about five weeks. And things are important, and we're going to be looking closely every day to see what's changing. We have that ahead on the other side of this. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. 
Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. I tried to, in the break, go find that, uh, that hearing video so I could play it for you to hear, and I couldn't grab it that quickly. I'll get it and uh, bring it to you tomorrow, at least the audio portion. It illustrates exactly the fecklessness that goes on in our United States Congress in the lawmaking process. Very little of it anymore is about making laws. It's about beating the other side up and denigrating their opinions on everything. And of course, when you're in the majority now, that's all that matters. Nobody else's opinion goes into consideration. And it gets worse and worse and worse instead of getting better. So let's take a couple of minutes and start looking at the latest polls. These, some of this came out this morning, President Biden's job approval, according to Rasmussen reports, 42% approve, 56% disapprove. He's upside down in this poll, 14 points. Over the weekend, his approval in the ABC News, Washington Post, His approval, only 39%, 55% disapprove. In CBS News, his approval, 45%, 55% disagree. Generic congressional vote, CBS News. Democrats, 45, Republicans, 46. In the ABC News, Washington Post, generic congressional election. Democrats, 46, Republicans, 51. And looking ahead in a general election hypothetical meeting in 2024, Trump versus Biden, according to ABC News, Washington Post, Trump wins that one, edges Biden out 48 to 46. I wanted to share a couple of the Senate races with you because these are really big. It's almost certain Republicans are going to regain control of the House of Representatives in the midterms. But the Senate, I mean, it is very, very balanced and very controversial in some of these Senate races out there. One in Wisconsin, Senator Ron Johnson, who's been a leader, a very good senator, his opponent Barnes, according to the Trafalgar Group, as of yesterday, Johnson has a slim edge, 49 to 47, over Barnes. Wisconsin governor race, 
according to the same polling group, Trafalgar Group, Evers, the incumbent, is slightly behind Michelle's, his uh, opponent, 48 to 47. The Arizona Senate race, another big one. Kelly, the incumbent, has a four-point lead over Masters, 50 to 40, 50 to 42. That's an eight-point lead. In the governor's race in Arizona, Kerry Lake, 48%, Hobbs, 49%. In the Utah Senate, Mike Lee, very well liked and thought of uh, senator from the state of Utah, Republican. His opponent is McMullen. Lee is up 40 to 35 over McMullen. And just looking at another one of those Biden job approval pollings, Emerson, approved 45, disapproved 49. The one that we look at, the polling uh, group that we look at, Real Clear Politics, they do, what they do is they collect the, the latest of the reputable polls and they put them all together and put them up for us to see. And you see the differences. And so what that means to me, it's not that one poll is right and another one's wrong. They're talking to people, <laughs> those that are taking these polls. And anytime when you're talking to people, you're going to get different types of responses. When somebody answers a phone and you tell them who you are and you want to take a couple of minutes to get their feelings about the upcoming election, they may tell you I'm a Republican. They may tell you I'm a Democrat. And they ask the same questions. And sometimes people, when they're answering, they purposely conflate how they really feel based upon what they think the caller wants to hear them say. So when you look at a collection of these polls on some of the same issues, you kind of get a trend, and you can watch it that way. If you want to follow it for yourself, I would recommend that you do that. How do you find it? You go to realclearpolitics.com, realclearpolitics.com, and up in the top left corner, there's a section for polling. You click on it and all the different polls that they publish and that they put together are down there for you to see. Anytime you have questions about it, it's, it's, it's really a good idea to get some answers because it's hard to go out there and really feel comfortable that you know where everything is. And that's a pretty big deal. We all need to know where everything is and what's going on. Friday, House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy, he was with several other leaders in the Congress, Steve Scalise from Louisiana, um, Elise Stefanik, I I struggle to say her name. She is um, a Republican from New York. Who else was there? I can't remember who else was there besides McCarthy. But anyway, they presented this new Commitment to America agenda. And I thought I'd just drop in here a little bit and tell you what McCarthy said. We're going to use every means possible to have the pressure to implement the commitment to America and at the same time put America back on the right track. This runaway spending that the Democrats have been doing, you've got to rein it in. You've got to be willing to do that. Thursday evening, before that Friday morning rollout of the House Republican plan, If the GOP retakes the House majority in November, he said, it's obviously 
true that McCarthy is the easy favorite to be the Speaker of the House. McCarthy said House Republicans are prepared to use the power of the purse. And what is that all about? He who controls the money controls everything, right? Well, the appropriations process by which Congress spends money for the government, it comes through the House of Representatives and the Appropriations Committee. McCarthy also pointed to using Congressional Review Act to claw back regulations the Biden administration has put in place. And if the GOP gets control of the Senate as well, McCarthy says reconciliation as a possibility to force bills on the Biden's desk for the president to either veto or sign, that can be done. He said House Republicans are preparing for every scenario, hoping they have the Senate as well, but ready to rock and roll if they just get the House. Now, in the middle of all of the stuff that we talk about here, Every once in a while, we find a nugget, a nugget of revelation regarding some of the stupidity that we see in politics across the nation. And we saw one this morning. I thought I would bring it to you. The state of Maine, the Maine Department of Education, has doubled down on allowing one of its taxpayer-funded online learning programs to instruct high school students that the term MAGA is an example of covert racism and white supremacy. Now, Maine is controlled by Democrats, just being completely blunt about it. And under the leadership of the governor there, Governor Janet Mills, the education department in Maine refused to remove or even condemn a controversial video content uncovered Wednesday of last week, pushed about whether state officials had endorsed the content of the video or even looked at it before it was included, Mrauka, the spokesman for the education department, said it is parents, teachers, community members, and school boards who decide what is taught in the classroom, not the Department of Education. The Education Department's main online opportunities for sustained education, funded by Joe Biden's America Rescue Plan and approved by the feds, offers a number of online modules to students. This is where it gets really, really scary. When your kids are being instructed to look at stuff from the Department of Education that's over your state, your county, your parish, you need to look in on what your kids are looking at. The module in question in this case in Maine, a publicly available lesson that's geared toward high schoolers on what makes communities welcoming and inclusive. Part of that is a video on slide 19 describing MAGA, All Lives Matter, colorblindness, and dozens more mainstream and ideological terms and concepts as examples of, quote, covert racism and white supremacy. The video in that module was created by the Holocaust and Human Rights Center of Maine. Mrauka noted that the Bangor Daily News, the fact that the Education Department did not create the video in the module, 
and that students are not required to watch it in classrooms. That's supposed to make it okay, right? Of course, MAGA was a slogan of Donald Trump's successful 2016 presidential campaign. More than 60 million Americans voted for him back in 2016. More than 360,000 people from Maine, by the way, which is 44% of those who voted that year. The Maine Republican Party called the discovery that the Mills administration was teaching that MAGA is covert racism and white supremacy is a truly shocking development about Maine's ultra-progressive governor amid Mills running a tight re-election race against former Governor Paul LePage, who's a Republican. Now, why are you bringing this story up, Dan? I'm bringing it up for this reason. We all need to understand the left is moving. They're not sitting still. They're working their butts off. And they have perfected what we've been saying for the last couple of years here and previous five to seven years at truthnewsnet.org and the articles we publish. We've been saying identity politics is the number one tool that is being used and has been being used and is going to be used going forward to divide Americans and to create a class of Democrats that will be lifelong Democrats. They will never, they'll be conditioned to never even consider something from the outside that goes against the Democrat party line that's been adopted. It's the weaponization of information, whether or not the information is truthful is immaterial. It's a party line that has been taken by Democrats and therefore You've got to fall in line. You've got to be right there swallowing it hook, line, and sinker and never ask any questions. And think about that story we just read. The governor of Maine is involved in it. The secretary of education up there is involved in it. And they made a video that basically is telling kids that watch it, it's factual. You can't even question this. MAGA is a cover for racism and white supremacy. Now, I don't, I'm not a MAGA person. I'm not even a registered Republican. I believe in the goodness that happened in Donald Trump's four years. I believe that he was a very good president, period. I believe if he had won this election and was still there, none of what you and I are living in today, worried about gasoline prices, worried about food that you can't find, worried about the future for your children, I think all of that would not even be in existence because we would have just continued along the road without COVID-19 in our lives. But when COVID-19 was in our lives still, folks, we were doing as a nation, economically especially, far better than we're doing today. And I would hate to look back and say I would prefer to be in that environment back then where people were dying because of COVID-19. I wouldn't want to go back there for that, but I sure liked on most levels all the other stuff that was going on, and I would like to go back for some of that, and I'm sure some of you would too. I'm sure you have heard, you know the name Lee Zeldin, who's been a member of Congress from New York State for several years. He's not running for re-election, 
but he's running as the Republican nominee in New York's race for governor. Zeldin said over the weekend he may declare a state of emergency on crime to take care of New York State's bail reform laws if he's elected as governor. One of the items I would be consulting with counsel on is the option of declaring an emergency on crime where the cashless bail law can be suspended, but that is not plan A, Zeldin said over the weekend, acknowledging he rather have the lawmakers in Albany repeal those statutes. And he explained, the problem with an executive order is that when the next governor comes in, they can get rid of it. I believe the law itself needs to change. Zeldin has been making the city's uncontrollable crime spree his main focus of his campaign. Even though New York's bail reform only went into effect on the earlier date, the City Journal reported that the bail reform was followed by a huge increase in criminal re-offending. What does that mean? That means they get arrested. They can get out of jail without paying bail. They go back out on the streets and they get arrested again. In fact, during one of Zeldin's own campaign events, he was attacked by a man with a weapon. Video showed Zeldin blocked the first thrust before the attacker was tackled, but the person was later let back into society the very next day. The Long Island Republican, Lee Zeldin, also noted during his interview that he would have a good working relationship with Eric Adams, New York's Democrat mayor, who has been a critic of bail reform, explaining that the two were in the state Senate with each other. I think he's an important ally in the efforts to overhaul cashless bail in New York. He's not getting the support he needs to be able to save this city, Zeldin said. We served together in the state Senate for four years. We stayed in touch afterwards. Our interactions through the years have always been positive. So even though Adams has endorsed Zeldin's Democrat opponent, the mayor, the governor, uh, Governor Hockle, he added, I believe the story that will be written in 2023 is about how Governor Zeldin is working with Mayor Adams to save the Big Apple, New York City. Wouldn't it be interesting <laughs> if we if we would ever see Republicans and Democrats really on a scale like that, a big state, I guess our second biggest state, New York State. Well, maybe Texas is. But anyway, one of the top three. See the uh, the governor and uh, the mayor of the biggest city, see them really working together and getting things done. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I don't see it happening on any national level, do you? It, not in any meaningful way. I mean these big spending bills that Biden has thrown out there. Democrats have control of the House. They have a 50-50 tie in the Senate, and any piece of legislation that comes to the Senate that's been through the House, all they have to do is make sure all Democrats vote, stay in line, and vote right down the party line. And when that happens, even when no Republican comes across the aisle and votes with the Democrats, A 50-50 tie is broken by the president of the Senate, which is Vice President Kamala Harris. She's a Democrat, and every tie-breaking vote she's made 
was passed for the Democrat side of it all. Senator John Kennedy, he's a statesman. I know he's a U.S. senator, but he's a statesman, and I love much of the things that he says. And, of course, all the networks, they love to go to him because he is such a statement, a statesman, and in many cases, you never know what he's going to say. He was asked about Joe Biden and as he always does, Senator John Kennedy, he came out with really good information. And he has a new name for our president. Here's Senator Kennedy. Republican Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, who serves on the banking committee and told big bank CEOs they will never win the, quote, uber woke sweepstakes. Senator, it's always great to have you on. A couple of gentle reminders we have, Senator, on this. One is Jamie Dimon reminding Rashida Tlaib that right now America desperately needs fossil fuels to keep this country going. And you reminding corporations that that the woke have a tendency to devour their own. Your thoughts on that, sir? Well, it's it's not exactly a newsflash that President Biden has appointed thousands of uber wokers to his administration. Uh, wokers are easy to recognize. They hate George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, Dr. Zeus, and Mr. Potato Head. Mm-hmm. Uh, wokers, re- wokers respect no one's opinion but their own. Wokers think that America was was wicked when it was founded, and it's more wicked today. They think that most Americans, uh, ordinary Americans, are ignorant, or racist, or misogynistic, and, and wokers think that they're the only smart and virtuous people in our country. Now, the woker, this has all been encouraged by President Biden. President mm-hmm. Biden is the woker-in-chief. Um, the people of Georgia, for example, decided that they they don't want to have an election month anymore. They want to have an election day. President Biden called them racists. Uh, the people of Florida decided they didn't want government officials talking to their five-year-old children about yeah. their sexuality. Uh, President Biden said they're bigots. Now, wokers are entitled to their opinion, but they're not entitled to use their power of the federal government to force banks and businesses to agree with them. And they do that every day on issues like guns, like the Second Amendment, like racial right. quotas. And what I told, what I told the bankers, the, the, the CEOs, was they should, uh, they should, if they disagree with the wokers, they should go to Amazon, buy a spine online, and push back. Um, yeah. Because they have the right to do that as Americans. I want to get your, your thoughts on the bottom of the screen. 652, the Dow is down. It's the lowest territory of 2022. Uh, Ron Klain says this about Joe Biden's economy. Watch. It's easy to forget that when Joe Biden came to office, we turn on the TV at night, people were in line uh, in football stadiums waiting for a box of food. The unemployment rate was nearly 10%. We had 20 million people out, out of work and, uh, and businesses closed and schools closed. This economy is in bad shape. The Dow is way down. Inflation is way up. They want to talk about the economy they inherited. Your final thoughts, sir. I think uh, President Biden is trying to convince the American people that uh, inflation, given how high it is, given the fact 
that uh, people's 401ks are crashing, that that somehow means that the economy is, uh, is just fine and the White House needs to put down the bong. Um, the American people don't believe that. <laughs> uh, in other words, the White House, at the White House, they got a bunch of these uh, middle-aged former hippies that work in the White House, Ron Klain being one of them. <laughs> and Kennedy, without actually just coming out and saying it, he referenced that with his comment at the end, they just got to put down the bong. In other words, quit smoking dope and just come and live where the rest of America lives today. You do understand, people in Washington, D.C., they have a totally different perspective from you and I. They're very insulated there. They have good jobs, great working conditions, and they pretty much control everything. And they've got power out the wazoo. And they shake that in your faces every time they get a chance. And tell us, you just got to sit down and shut up because we're the government. We're in charge. He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Hey, what do you want to da da da? I don't know. What do y'all think we should da da da? Well, what did we da yesterday? Hmm, yesterday. All the dolls feel like the same doll these dolls. I know. Like, is today Monday or Tuesday? Today is Thursday. <gasps> oh no, I forgot to call my mom on her birthday. Oh no! No! These days, nothing is normal and everything is weird. But you could still save big when you switch to Progressive. That won't change. Not to da or any da. Quote to da at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar. Or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion apply. Limited time offer. Well, 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 something came out just minutes ago. You remember I told you the story, what happened over the end of last week, where that Catholic guy, that rights, uh, pro-life rights guy, SWAT attacked him, came to his house, didn't drag him out in the street, but they made a big deal about it. Guess what? The FBI is saying, we did not send a SWAT team of 25 to 30 agents to arrest activist Mark Houck for allegedly shoving an escort outside of a Planned Parenthood clinic last year. Huh. In a statement that was released this morning, a spokesperson with the FBI Philadelphia field office denied that a SWAT team had been used to apprehend Mark Houck Quote, there are inaccurate claims being made regarding the arrest of Mark Houck. No SWAT team, no SWAT operatives were involved. FBI agents knocked on Mr. Houck's front door, identified themselves as FBI agents, and asked him to exit the residence. He did so and was taken into custody without incident pursuant to an indictment. They did not deny that up to 25 to 30 armed agents were on the scene 
or that Houck's children witnessed the agents pointing rifles at their father and mother to arrest him for allegedly shoving someone in front of an abortion clinic. (laughs) They didn't deny. It was a peaceful. We just went and knocked on the door and asked him if he would come out. And they sent 30 armed agents pointing rifles at their father and mother. But that's okay. (laughs) My gosh. Houck's wife told Catholic News Agency, a SWAT team of about 25 came to my house with about 15 vehicles, started pounding on our door, and that they had about five guns pointed at my husband, myself, and my kids. Ryan Marie, the wife, said her children were really sad and stressed as a result of the raid and that she's already reached out to some shrinks to try and help us through this. I don't really know what's going to come of it when you see guns pointed at your father and your mom and your house when you first wake up in the morning. According to her, the wife, the charges were from an incident in which he shoved a pro-abortion activist who was harassing his 12-year-old son in front of an abortion clinic during one of his sidewalk counseling sessions. Charges were reportedly thrown out of the district court in Philadelphia early this year only then to be picked up by, guess who, Merrick Garland's Department of Justice. Okay, the locals, the ones that know and operate, you know, and fully function as the law enforcement uh, operatives for every city and town, they found out there was no justification for the charges, and they dropped them, the district court in Philadelphia. But then, Here comes the savior of America, the guy that wanted to be the next U.S. Supreme Court justice, and Donald Trump and those evil Republicans at the end of Obama's second term, they refused to let Merrick Garland come forward to consider being a justice on the Supreme Court. But he's getting back at him. He saw an opportunity. This is where I can go shoot over the bowels of these Republicans that dare stand up to us regarding abortion and abortion clinics. I'm going to show them. I'm going to send 30 FBI agents in 15 vehicles, even though the Philadelphia government, the state of Pennsylvania, they said there was nothing in this case that should be or could be prosecuted. We'll show them. We'll go make a public stand and show America how disjointed we are, how no longer attached to any reality of enforcing laws of the United States. We're going to pick and choose who can be free and who is going to go to jail, and they'll go to jail because we tell them we're going to take you to jail. That's exactly what's happened here. It is. This morning on MSNBC's um, Morning Joe, analyst John Heileman said that Donald Trump supporters were ready to take up arms and go to war. Civil war, he said. Quote, he knows the path for him forward is always about division, anger, energy. The division, dividing the country, reducing the core of his base down but at the same time making that into a a sauce of a kind, right? It's like he reduces it down. It gets stronger. 
more virulent, more toxic, also more energized and more violent. And he added this. He's not focused on, oh boy, I'm going to lose a few swing voters here. He's focused on the fact that the people who are going to be at the core of his base are going to be more animated, more ginned up, more willing to take the barricades to do whatever is necessary to try to reinstall him in power. And that's the danger, is that the fact that at the base is getting smaller, it makes it more dangerous in a lot of ways because those are the people who are willing to do things like take up arms and press the questions, press the questions and tactics that lead to civil war. So put that one in context with the real raid on Hauk and who initiated it. It came from our attorney general. That go back and pick up this guy that the local government said there was no justification to charge him and do a raid in the very early morning with 25 FBI agents with rifles in SWAT gear. And they want to say Donald Trump is a divider, is going after the people. I got to be honest with you. If we don't live in Nazi Germany, somebody is tricking us because what you just heard is exactly what happened in Hitler's Germany. And it's not happening from Donald Trump. It's from the Biden administration. Hey guys, don't forget Congressman Mike Johnson, nine o'clock sharp in the morning, top of the show right here. We'll see you then. Have a great Monday.
don't need 